Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode seven of the Better Than I Found It podcast. I'm Mike McGraw, the men's golf coach at Baylor University, and my guest today is former Baylor Golf All-American Garrett May. Garrett will share his experiences as a member of our golf team, and he describes very candidly how his time at Baylor at literally transformed him into the man he is today. He's honest and vulnerable about the struggles he had with emotionality on the golf course, and he explains how he actually begun to win some of those battles. So, without any further ado, let's get to the conversation with Garrett. Garrett May, welcome to the Better Than I Found It podcast. Really great to have you here today, Garrett. It's nice to have you in Waco anytime. Yeah, glad to be here. That's great. Well, I tell you what I want to kind of do is just talk about our time together, our our experience together as a player coach, and uh, bring it all the way through to today, where you are now, what you're doing now. But I'll, I'll go back in time and talk about the day I got the job at Baylor. And mm-hmm. so I'd been on the job one day, and I get a call from Jeff Jones. And I remembered who Jeff was. But I didn't know what he was doing, you know, at the time. I didn't know what he was doing in 2014, certainly. And he reintroduced himself and said, hey, I just want you to know I'm teaching players in Texarkana. And uh, got this really, really good young player named Garrett May. Um, he's uh, not been noticed by very many coaches right now. Do you remember about that time, June of 2014? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't. Um, you know, he said that because I really wasn't a very good junior golfer. I had had spurts of goodness and greatness and stuff like that but as far as like the you know typical AJGA pedigree or whatever I just didn't have that I never never played well enough in big events I think I got like second in the big eye one year I think maybe third I can't remember but um I was really flying under the radar I was a great player in my own right but just didn't really have much of a resume to go behind it so well and and Jeff was talking to me about that he said you know he's just a small town boy from Hope Arkansas he hasn't really gotten out and spread his wings yet but this will be a big summer for him so if you do me a favor coach watch him play and I said oh I'll I'll make that happen well the truth is I I didn't actually see you play but it did correspond with you a bunch that summer and um, can you remember any of that correspondence we had not really um to be honest I really, this is going to be funny, I really didn't know who you were. Attaboy, guys, way to I, go. When uh, I first started this, I remember JD, my stepdad, telling me, uh, Coach McGraw got the Baylor job, and I was kind of like, oh, that's cool. And then, But at the same time, I was like, I don't really know who that I is. But then man. I did, obviously I did research and realized um, who you were, and I was like, oh, okay, I needed to probably pay more attention. But, um, yeah, I remember the first time you actually saw me play was at Mira Vista, um on like the seventh hole and I hit this little wipey cut to like right side of the green um and I had already committed at that point mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you didn't even see me hit a golf shot before I committed well so that's fact and that's never happened once in my <laughs> it's only happened one time in my career where I actually uh have a player on my team that I did not see hit a golf shot. and I could be left-handed for all you know. Could have been. And you could have been six foot four for all I know, but you weren't that either. No, I've never been that. So I did trust Jeff Jones's ability to evaluate and, and, and his uh, recommendation of you as a player. You know, the very first thing he told me was that, you know what, Coach, he's a really high-spirited kid, but 
extremely dedicated, wants to be a great player, has all that. So let's just give him a watch. And so we corresponded that summer. You had gone to a college golf camps camp and a bunch of coaches got interested in you there. I think you went to you qualify for the U.S. Amateur. Then you went to the uh, Trusted Choice Big Eye and finished third in West Virginia. So your resume was building nicely over the summer, and you played in the USAM. Didn't make the match play, but you played, which was great for a 17-year-old to be in the USAM. And you committed to come and take a visit. So you were going to take an official visit on September 1st through the 3rd, and I'll never forget those dates. September 1st, we opened McLean Stadium in a football game against SMU, and it was really great. It was a fun game. But you did something on that visit that's never happened in my coaching career. You know what that was? I committed right on the visit. <laughs> you committed on the visit. I, tell me a little bit about that because I honestly did not expect it. I thought we were just going to get to know each other. You know, I really didn't think anything of it. I had taken all of my visits that I wanted to. I'm not going to list the names. I'm just going to say I took all the visits that I wanted to. Baylor was the last one. And, you know, it wasn't like... To me, it wasn't like a rush decision because I did have a couple of days on campus. I saw the campus, realized it was beautiful. Um, golf program was all I would want it to be. Um, you were obviously great. And it just it just kind of happened that I was like, you know what? There's no need to like drag this out. This is where I want to be. And I was like, you know what? Let's just do it. I'm, I'm committed. Well, know? it was funny because uh, Braden Bailey, who had already committed to Baylor, to Greg Priest before I ever got this job, he was surprised. He didn't know you were going to commit either. That's what he told me later. So maybe you kind of snuck it in and told him on the visit, but I, I don't even think he knew you were going to. No, I don't. And nobody knew. And it was so funny. I had ne- this was so new to me. This whole college golf deal, because um, you know I was small town, so nobody really played golf like I was doing it back home, and nobody was really committing to places, you know, at the time. So I didn't know how this all worked, and. Um, I didn't realize how surprised it was it was to uh, commit on the visit. Well, I'm, I'm glad you did, obviously, but uh, I didn't even know you. That's, that's the crazy part about yeah. this. I took a recommendation of a guy who's a really well-respected instructor, and he did say you were high-spirited. Understatement. <laughs> well, he, he did understate that one for sure, because <laughs> let's talk a little bit about, because that's a big part of our story together is is uh, I think your high-spiritedness on a golf course would often spill over into total emotional outbursts. For sure. And so you struggled with a little bit with discipline, certainly with self-control, maybe some poor habits, definitely over outbursts on the golf course of emotion. So that's kind of dominated your freshman year in college. If you Just talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, first of all, I just want to tell um, everybody who's listening that um, – Coach McGraw allowed me to play pro golf. I don't think um, any way any way you cut it. Uh, if I didn't have Coach McGraw, I wouldn't have played pro. I wouldn't play pro, pro golf at all. Uh, I wouldn't be the person or the golfer that I would be um, right now. So for that, I mean, I can't thank you enough, Coach. But yeah, I uh, I struggled with perfectionism. You know, still do obviously all my life. I just really, you know, I knew. The uh, you hit a shot on the range, and you hit it perfect, and you just you just think you can do that every time. And when you <laughs> see a shot on the golf course and you want to pull it off and you don't, you know it's just really hard for me to let that go. And so junior or junior golf was kind of that same way. I always struggled with that, uh, and then freshman year, it kind of you know I came to college wanted to 
blaze my own trail and just really get this thing rolling. And when, you know, you come into college with the same game as a junior and you're not that good and hit some bad shots, it, it, I, I don't know. I just really <laughs> had a hard time getting some emotional maturity. Um, and so I was be really explosive on the golf course. I would be really, really down on myself. I'd have really big highs, but also really big lows. Um, just because I was kind of living and breathing and dying off of one shot. Um, well, you know, and age has certain advantages, experience, sort of wisdom, sort of the things that I've seen and experienced. So I had that in my in my bank, if you will. You didn't have all that. All you had was this is a brand new experience, and you brought to college, you know, what you kind of had, and there was no, uh, there was no, uh, I don't know, changing that. That's who you were at the time. That's who you were at the time. So um, what we had was, okay, this is a new kid, brand new. He's really talented. I know he's got a lot of game, but what he's doing won't play very well at this level. It certainly won't play at the next level. And I remember telling a player one time, a long time ago, and I won't mention his name, but I looked at him and I said, uh, we'll call him Johnny. Johnny, you, uh, you, do you know I can see into the future? And he said, what are you talking about? He said, uh, I can see your future, and it's not in golf. So I, I'm seeing your future. Now, it may be in business. It might be in something else. But if you continue what you're doing, you're not going to play pro golf. This won't work. Now, I realize there are some things about what you do that will work in pro golf. So in my opinion, I looked at a guy who was extremely driven, extremely motivated, very talented, hardworking, uh, driven. I mean, you had all of these things going for you, but you derailed yourself not every round, but many, many, many rounds because you just had too much emotionality about you. So you didn't really see that right off the bat, did you, or did you? No, I knew it. Um, I knew that it was a problem. The problem was I didn't have the ability and the knowledge to stop it. And it's kind of like a a race car that's um, running too hot. Mm -hmm. You know, RPMs are really up there. You know, it can be really, when it's riding good, it's fine. But then it gets to a point to where the engine blows. And that's kind of where I was. I was always running hot, always running high. And so when I was playing good, it was fine. But then one thing happens and the engine blows. And so it just took some time to back off the RPMs and start playing a little bit more calm. Well, if you think about it, if you plan on playing golf for another 30 years or more, I mean, I know you do. You can't play at a constant state of angst or stress. It's got, there's got to be a way to relieve that uh, that's like a volcano I mean, yeah. or like, a, like the seismologist where, where the, uh, the tectonic plates are pushing past each other. And then if it builds up, eventually there's going to be an earthquake. And so you had to find ways to release it. And you didn't know how to do it at first. And so that's what we're going to talk about here today is just kind of our walk together uh, and you've described your freshman year, and it ended not the way you wanted it. You didn't play at conference regionals or nationals yeah. for Baylor. And I know that was disappointing for you. Can you describe that? No, I mean, it was. I mean, my roommate was, too, Braden. Um, we roomed together freshman year, and he was playing every event, playing well, too. Mm-hmm. And then um, played conference regionals and nationals. And, I mean, looking back on it now, I mean, I'm, I don't really – it's fine. Right, it happened. sure. But at the time – you know, that that hurts. You see a guy that's the same year as you doing the things you want to do and all that, and nobody put me in that situation other than myself. Um, 
you didn't do it, Braden didn't do it, nobody else did, it was me. So, yeah, it was, um, that that was not how I wanted to end it, because obviously I wanted to, you know, like I said, blaze my own trail and start college golf and be this new golfer, mm-hmm. uh, and it just doesn't happen that way. Well, th- doesn't, and you needed the experience you had as a freshman to kind of set the stage for the rest of it, but I'd like to tell everybody that, okay, that freshman year got by him. He was too emotional. He knew he had to make some changes and that everything was perfect from then on. But as you and I know, it wasn't. But you know, no. I will say this. I will say this. Regardless of the, of the confrontations you and I had for a four-year period, and there were many, um, not one time did you show me a lack of respect. Not one single time. And I look back on that, and I think I know there were plenty of times you were angry with me. There were plenty of times you were unhappy with the decision I may have made. But you were man enough that it never, ever spilled over into, uh, this is your fault, coach, or I don't like you, or I don't like the way you do things, or whatever. You took responsibility for it. So I'll give you a a high A-plus grade on the way you've treated me as a coach. So I, I always have appreciated that. Well, I mean, you, as mad as I would get on the golf course and the lack of emotional maturity that I had, I still like to think of myself as a smart person. And I always knew that it was never you who did it. You didn't hit the golf shot. You didn't. You're just trying to coach me. And I knew that from the get go. Even when I was the most mad I've ever been, you know, visions turning red, you know, I knew that you wanted to coach me. And. So I couldn't show you disrespect. I mean, it's not my place. Well, but as as emotionally immature as you were, you, you had a very mature approach to that. Because, I mean, that's what we do this for. That's why we coach as coach, is to take a guy like you that's completely different than anybody I've ever even coached, ever. And I wish I'd have had the self-confidence you have as a young player. I'd have been a whole lot better. I didn't have it. You've got a lot of self-confidence. You believe, honestly, you probably have always believed you're a little better than you actually were. And that's what drove you and made you better, I think. But so we, we finished that freshman year. We had a nice meeting. Coming back next year, coach, I'll be ready. Had a good summer. And then we come in and we have qualifying for our first tournament. And we didn't play well at Olympia Fields as a team. I think you might have been our low score. I'm not sure. But we went to Arizona and played at a course called Mirabelle. And as I recall, that was your first breakout tournament at Baylor. I think you shot 66, 69, 66. I mean, you were in the 60s all three rounds. You finished about third. And we finished second to LSU. Mm -hmm. So it was a great, great tournament. Uh, And then that kind of springboarded you through the rest of the fall. And so I have a memory of... And that was very good playing there at Mirabelle, by the way. Do you, you remember that? Tournament? I remember it very well. Yeah. yeah, I love that golf course. Uh, it set up really good to me. The, the fairways were ginormous. Oh, they were big. They're huge. And so literally nothing off the tee scared me because um, I've always been a good driver of the ball. And I just remember I just played really well. Mm. I remember I was in the final group. Not the last round, I, I don't know I was in the final group, but I, th- I knew I was playing with Sam Burns. Yep. And uh, I knew him a little bit from junior golf. He's from Shreveport. I'm from Texarkana. It's pretty close. And... Um, he was obviously a really, really good player. And so it kind of gave me a little bit more fire to play well. Uh, and I shot 66 last round, and it was a lot of fun. But I do remember playing really well at that tournament. It was like the first tournament. Um, other than the Gopher, my freshman year, the yeah, first tournament. I've, yep, I finished top 10, my first ever uh, college event. But other than that, Mirabelle was where I first saw a really good play out of myself. Yeah, and you you beat 
a lot of really good players. So, yeah. And you were our best finisher that week, and we ended up playing very well. But I remember later that semester, we hosted at Royal Oaks in Dallas every year. And I remember walking with Cooper Dossey, who was a freshman. And you were a sophomore, and you were in the group in front of us. And it was the final round. Our team was winning by a lot. And so we were playing well. Uh, and we got a little behind on 10, and I got up to the 11th tee, and I was looking through my rangefinder, and I saw you make a swing. You were the group in front of us, but you made a swing on a par 3, number 12. So we're a full hole behind you guys. And I saw the club fall out of your hands and kind of an overreaction, and, oh, okay, that must not have been very good. Anyway, so after the round, uh, you had shot 41 in the last nine holes to finish 13th. And you were in the hunt to win that day. You were going to win your first college tournament, possibly. And very bad back nine. And the next, I didn't say anything to you that day. We won the tournament. And the next day, when you'd filled out your summary, your tournament summary of what you did, you didn't mention that that tee shot or any sort of meltdown or anything. And I was, so we're having our meeting, and I said, uh, Garrett, what happened on 11 green at, uh, at Royal Oaks, the final round? You, go, you looked at me like stunned, like... He wasn't there. How did he know about this? <laughs> and I didn't see it. And I didn't even know what had happened, but I knew something had to happen to create that reaction on a five iron par three where the ball ended up in the left fringe and you had that kind of reaction. So you remember that moment? To this day, I still don't remember that golf swing. You don't remember no the golf idea. swing? Well, it's etched indelibly upon my <laughs> That's memory. That's so funny. Because I, I asked you about it. You said you don't remember it, but you did something on 11 green. You know what? I... I remember that doesn't surprise me mm-hmm. because so many things happened that I don't necessarily remember, but it, it doesn't surprise me if I reacted that way because it, it's all about expectations for me. And especially when I get in the hunt, you know, you, ex, you expect to win and every shot carries a little bit more weight. And when you elevate the expectation, you can, and when it doesn't happen, it, elevates how negative you feel towards it and so that's probably what happened you know I was um I might have three putted 11 I don't know uh I, I'm trying to remember that round well um, you talked you told me about it and I wrote it down but you told me all you were you were probably in a fog at that moment in time when you hit that shot you don't even remember but you had hit a poor wedge shot into a bunker dead hit the best bunker shot of your life to four feet and missed a straight uphill four footer and that caused the reaction on the next hole. Yeah. And then you just had a whole series of debacles on the back nine. And anyway, so following that tournament, I just want you to know, I've never really talked to you about this, but Coach Black, my assistant coach at the time, and I, we tried to figure out how, we thought we had a very good team that year, but we knew you needed to be playing the best golf you could for us to be that great team. And so I just said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk with him every round this spring. I, I'm just going to, and it's going to be tough because I'm going to have to talk him off a ledge a lot, <laughs> a lot, like yeah. three or four times around. And so let's, let's kind of move our way into the spring of 2017. Okay. We knew we had a good team. I think we were ranked about fifth in the country and we, we kind of, we did some special things that spring as a team and yep. you were one of the biggest reasons why. So I walked every step of the way with you, uh, starting from the first tournament. You remember the first tournament where we played? Um, no. Houston. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Is that when I shot 67 or 65? 65. You had a nine birdie, seven under par, 65 the middle round. I remember the, I mean, this exactly, this is exactly the example that I just talked about. You Mm -hmm. know, Houston, I played well, uh, second round 65 to get me in contention. I think I was 12 under 
after two rounds maybe um or maybe maybe 10 I can't remember uh but anyway I was really close to the lead and the third round you know I I really wanted to win Mm -hmm. obviously really wanted to win and didn't have the start that I wanted and we were kind of talking going down like maybe four and then five and I asked you on five fairway I was like coach do you think I can win this golf tournament and you really didn't give me the answer I wanted. I wanted you to say, yes, Garrett, you can definitely win this What did tournament. I say? You were like, why are you worried about that? Let's just worry about the next shot. You're trying to keep me in yeah, yeah. the right headspace. And I was already, you know, I was trying to play the golf tournament with the trophy already in my mm-hmm. hand. And I think Cooper ended up winning that, that he week. He did. And, played um, great. You know, I, I didn't feel any negative feelings towards him. I mean, he didn't do anything. But I remember I was so worried about winning the golf tournament that I couldn't play a good round of golf. You know, you have to play the round of golf, then win the tournament. You cannot, you cannot play golf with one hand on the trophy. Um, and I was playing like the trophy was already mine. I just had to go finish, and I just put a lot of expectations on myself, and it didn't handle. I didn't handle it well. And you did something you did at Royal Oaks. You shot forty one in the back nine yep. and yep. finished about thirteenth again. But you, as a tournament, you should have won. And it, I remember the spot where it kind of changed for you that round. is number nine. You missed about a four-footer for a par. And that's a long, long walk over to 10T mm-hmm. at, at uh, Golf Club of Houston. And Anyway, long story short, it was a rough back nine. Emotionally, you lost control again. And um, I, did, I tried not to talk to you about it right now. We won that tournament. Yep. Came back and beat Vanderbilt that day, which was a big win for us. Or Auburn. Was it Auburn? I think it was Vanderbilt that okay. day. Yeah. Um, so anyway. Um, oh, you're right. So... I called David Cook, Dr. David Cook, who's a Baylor graduate and a well-respected sports psychologist. And I said, David, I'm really struggling. I'm going to walk every round with Garrett this spring. And I got to tell you, it's hard. It's tough. Garrett was really, really hard this last tournament on the last nine holes. He just, he struggled. He was so angry and so mad and out of control emotionally. And I said, what would you suggest I do? I'm going to walk every round with him. He says, well, what I want you to do, and this was pure genius in my mind, he said, carry a golf tee, uh, just one tee, and every time Garrett starts to have an explosion, you hand him the golf tee and you just walk to his golf ball. You don't react. You don't even say, Garrett, settle down. What that tee is going to represent is Garrett's anger. And he and you stand over his next shot. You stand over the ball until he gets there and do not let him hit a golf shot until he hands you the tee back showing that, okay, coach, I've dealt with this anger. Let's go play this next shot. And I remember asking you about that before we went to Cabo, and you said, I don't know. Let's, let's try it. I'll try anything because I want to get better. And that was the, the real key that I want everybody out there listening to know is you di- it's not like you were fighting me. You wanted to get better. You wanted to be coached. Yeah, it's something you wanted. And so I had to look outside what I was doing. And David Cook, would, and that tee started working. It was the craziest thing ever. You'd start to get really explode and get unhappy. I would hand you the tee and I'd just walk away. And you'd know that was a cue to, okay, I got to figure, figure this out before I hit the next shot. You remember that pretty well? Yeah, it was, it's really funny because the tee, it's kind of silly in its own right, but it really just did a good job of distracting me. And the reason it worked is a lot of times when you'd hand me the tea, I wouldn't even get that mad Mm -hmm. because I would realize you're giving me the tea to get mad. And I was like, it it almost, I realized that. And I was like, well, I don't need to get mad now. Now that I realize, (laughs) because getting mad to me was second nature. It was just something that happened. It, It came naturally. And so I, when I had to, when I got the tea and had to, 
say, okay, this is my time to get mad, right. I wouldn't even really get mad. Isn't that funny how that worked? And yeah. Dr. Cook knew that would happen. And so as we went through the spring, it worked better and better. You finished second at Cabo in a great field. And honestly, I had kind of a bad break at the end, but uh, played beautifully there. So you went through that spring, and it was really, really a good spring. And I was using that tea. I still have that tea in my desk. I'm not. I'm gonna. I may take it out and use it for somebody again one day. But I still have it's that got same a, tea. A lot of anger in that. It tea. does have a lot of anger in that tea. But Dr. Cook had helped me find a way to get to you, and it was working. And so uh, I remember at uh, we were at Linger Longer. Mm-hmm. And one of the toughest tee shots is a par three number eight. It's this five iron par three with a narrow green and death on both sides, terrible collection areas. And you hit the most beautiful five iron in there about 15 feet. It was just like awesome. I mean, we're going to gain a shot on the field here because people couldn't hit the green and they couldn't get it up and down. And sure enough, you three putted from 15 feet. And I handed you the tee and I, I just wanted to walk to the next tee because I thought you'd kill me. And... So I'm over on the next tee trying to get the yardage to cover this bunker. There's a fairway bunker down there on the left. And what kind of club? And all of a sudden I hear this barrage of of anger and and just words coming up. Not such good (laughs) words either coming toward me. And I thought, okay, Garrett's dealing with it right now. He's dealing. And I look up just in time for this tee to bang, hit me right in the chest. You had thrown the tee at me. That's a little exaggeration. No. I didn't throw the tea at you. I just tossed the tea at you. Well, okay. I honestly thought you were looking at me. Okay. I thought you were wanting the tea back, and I just kind of tossed it. Looking back on it, it was really funny. All I know is I thought he just threw the tea at me. <laughs> and I looked at that tea on the ground, and I said, Garrett, I don't think you've fully dealt with this anger you're feeling right now. Coach, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay, we're not hitting the shot until you're yeah. ready. But the honest truth is you, you played three under par in the back nine, ended up finishing top ten there. And that you just kept a great spring going. And um, so we were dealing with it. Now, was it a Band-Aid? I don't know. But at least you were getting to the point where it's like, okay, I know we're making progress. And I think you went from ranked from 300th in the fall in college golf to about 35th. So all these top five finishes, great finishes you were having was really, really showing some progress. So let's get to uh, Prairie Dunes. We've been, we've been ranked number one in the country for the first time in the history of the program. For two weeks, we were ranked number one. We go to the conference championship, one of the teams to beat. We're playing very well. And the first day, the wind blew 50 miles an hour, and uh, they had to cut 36 holes down to 18. Mm-hmm. And you shot a really solid 73 that first round, which doesn't sound that great. But I was in second. You, you're in second place. Played great. So... I told you, since you were going to tee off last the next day on a 36-hole day, they'd move the 36, that I was going to go out with, with one of our players who had struggled the day before and walk the first three holes with him. And the third green was basically the third fairway and the first fairway met. I would just come over and find you there and take you for the rest of the day. And can you? we had two lost balls on the third hole, so I, I missed you on the first fairway. So you'd gotten to the first green. By the time I'd gotten there, you'd already made a bogey on one. Do you remember the conversation we had on 2T? Not really. Okay. No. That, you know why you don't remember it? I mean, honestly, whatever you're going to say, I'm not going to even argue with because... Well, there's no reason to argue. <laughs> but no, the truth is you, you were out of your mind right that, at that yeah. moment. You were so angry about what had just happened. And that may be the only time... You didn't mean to be disrespectful, but you were, you were so angry you were not in the moment. And yeah. I remember you said a couple of things that you know, you wouldn't want to say or repeat out loud very often. Right. And so anyway, 
I took off my sunglasses and I said, uh, Garrett, come on. You can do better than that. Yeah. Come on, Garrett. Are you kidding me? And then, so I settled you down and then I gave you the wrong club and you airmailed the green and buried it into the back lip of uh, a sand dune behind the green. So now you make a double on that hole. Yeah. And I took the heat on that one. It was mine. But you kind of meandered your way through the rest of that front nine, really struggling emotionally. And walking off the ninth tee down the hill, I thought, I've had enough. I can't take this anymore. And so I kind of started um, uh, chewing you out. Mm-hmm. But I used some choice words. Do you remember those words? They I don't remember exactly. What, I think, um, yeah. Yeah. Like, this is effing ridiculous or something yeah. like that. And you would, I mean... That word was never even in the, any dictionary in your life ever. And it came out, and I was like, what the heck? Well, the reason I did it, and I don't think you knew it at the time, but the reason I did it was to show you how bad that sounds coming out of my mouth. Oh, yeah. And it feels, it feels the same way when you're doing it. So f- I think for the first time, you, you go, okay, now I get what he's saying. Yeah. I've got to control these emotional outbursts. Anyway, we could belabor this point over and over and over. But suffice it to say, we, we got through that day. We got through the rest of the conference you championship. You didn't walk with me the rest of the year. I didn't round. walk you the, the rest of the, the, rest of the year. Uh, I actually kind of said, hey, Garrett, I want you to do this on your own, and your teammates need you, and you're playing great, so let's just use it. And we did well. We we breezed through our regional. We won the regional at Stanford, mm-hmm. and then we came to nationals at Rich Harvest Farms in Chicago and just played beautifully. I think I remember um, I was almost – it was the first time – Prairie Dunes was like the first time that I was actually – kind of embarrassed about um, how I was handling myself because here I am, you know, I kind of realized what all was happening. I had taken you all semester. You were walking with me every round. And that was a little selfish. You know, another player could have used you one round during that time. But no, here I am having bad mental breakdowns and you have to walk with me and then here i am prairie dunes i just put you through the ringer Hmm. so much that you couldn't even enjoy competition so you leave me and just thinking back to it i was actually embarrassed i was like okay like i don't care how i play i've got to just stop all this and start being like a a good human otherwise i'm just gonna everybody's gonna look at me like this weirdo that can't keep his mind straight and i think that was the first time that i was actually self-conscious about how I was acting and kind of a little embarrassed because I've got five four or five other players and then coaches looking at me like dude what's going on like this is ridiculous well it it, looking back on it it seemed ridiculous at the time I just knew we needed to do it and and I knew that I knew you weren't going to play pro golf you weren't going to achieve your dreams if you continued in this mental state of mind now surely people mature and they grow you know but right now you're more mature than you were last year. I mean, you're getting more yeah. and more mature. But at that time, we needed you desperately. Mm-hmm. And so I'll give you credit because you, you got through the rest of that season on your own, no problem, and you played well and helped us. And we made match play at the national championship. So we had a great year. But at our end-of-the-year meetings, I said, okay, Garrett, now what you've built here has been great. Let's bring back something really special next fall. And so... <laughs> You played the worst qualifying of your college career before hundred oh, percent. We were gonna to go to two tournaments in a row, one in Minnesota and Olympia Field. So we were qualifying for the first one and then we were gonna take four individuals to Minnesota with us. And uh you played very poorly in the qualifying and I planned on taking you as an individual to Minnesota mm-hmm. and describe that because I, I think this is probably the most mature thing you did in college. You know, um 
obviously I played terrible. Um, and I did struggle a little bit when you didn't take me. I was like, you know what? Like, I realize I'm playing terrible, but he definitely could have given me a pick just because I was returning. Um, I was on the team that won, won regionals. Mm-hmm. Guys yeah. didn't win ranking the country. Like, I had that going for me. And you didn't. And you took me to an individual tournament mm-hmm. in Minnesota. And the problem, the reason that was pretty hard is because that obviously we were playing two events in a row mm-hmm. and Olympia Fields was second. And by me going to the individual tournament in Minnesota, there was no way I was getting to Olympia Fields. And I really wanted to play Olympia Fields because that would be my fourth year in a row. And that's one of my favorite golf courses. And so that was tough. But I did tell you that um, I might as well go play good golf uh, just because I hadn't been playing good golf. So it's obviously going to feel nice to play good. And number two, there's no reason for me to go up there, just be mad and play bad right i love i love the it was very mature because at the time you basically told me good golf never feels bad so if i go out there and play good it it, it's going to help me eventually uh but you felt kind of hurt because so we get up there and you shoot a final round course record 63 and i'm thinking what am i doing here i've got this kid over here shooting 63 and i'm not taking him to olympia fields so i decided to take you to olympia fields we changed our flights, and you didn't go back with the other individuals to Waco. You went with us on the trip. You ended up playing Olympia Field, and you played fine. Nothing special. Maybe you finished 15th, I think. Yeah, something like that, yep. And so we came back to Waco, and I, I know you're still not over the hump, but you're making progress, and I can feel it. We, uh, And you and I had made a deal, if I can go back in time. At the end of the NCAAs the year before, we had an end-of-the-year meeting, and I said, okay, here's the deal. I'm putting you on a zero tolerance for meltdowns. Yeah. Now, not not for slamming a club or getting upset or saying one bad word or whatever. That's not a zero tolerance because I know we're trying to get you out of that. But a total meltdown, no more. If you have a meltdown, you're not going to the next tournament. If you have a meltdown at a tournament, you can't qualify for the next one. You know, just meltdown means you don't get to do the thing you want to do. Yep. And so we're having a qualifying for the Jerry Pate tournament. And you are leading the qualifying. You're playing great. You've got some confidence going again. And I'm clear up on 10, on 11 tee, and you're down on the green. And you three-putted or missed a short putt and had a complete, utter meltdown and threw your ball in the water and screamed bloody murder. And it was... Okay, I didn't scream, but... (laughs) Well, I heard it. (laughs) It was a long... See, that's the funny thing about it, is the perception of a coach and the perception of a player that's going through it. No, you probably heard it. It just wasn't Uh, a scream. Okay, I definitely heard it. And so that evening, I texted, after we finished the qualifying, I I told the guys I would text the team that was going to go, and we would have practice the next day and leave the following day. And I texted these five players' names, and you were not one of them. And I think you'd won the qualifying. At very worst, you'd finish second. So... I get a text from you that I had night. to finish second because you always had a rule that if you won qualifying, you automatically went. Boom. So Okay. So, uh, but I also had a deal with you. That's true. <laughs> no meltdown. Which one trumped That would have trumped it, trust me. So uh, you texted me, Coach, I don't understand. You know, I, I played great. Why am I not going to, to Jerry Pate? In my, I, mind, whole, in my mind, yeah. I did kind of understand. I knew that there, you yeah. didn't just like randomly say, oh, he's not going to turn it. Like I, I knew. You, like, you knew what it was. Okay. I was just hoping I was going to get away with it. So I, t- I texted right back, uh, Garrett, 
I'll be glad to talk to you about this, but we're not doing it over text message. I'll see you at practice oh, tomorrow. That, that burns me up. Yeah, it so really, much. really upsets you there. But my actually sidebar. My girlfriend does the same thing. If we have something to talk <laughs> about, I'll text her about it, and she'll be like, "I don't want to talk about it over text." And I'm just like, "No, no, 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 no. I got to talk about it. I, I got to talk about it now. Like, we got to get this thing going." <laughs> well, and, like, that is, I'm the most impatient person in the world. Well, I just knew you needed to sleep on it anyway. Yeah. So came back the next day. You saw, you were already hitting balls when I got her. You came over. And you took your sunglasses off so you could see me eye to eye. And you said, Coach, can you explain to me? And I looked straight at you and I said, Yes, Garrett, I have a question for you. Do you remember the deal we made at Nationals last year? You said, Yes, sir. So the deal was no meltdowns. A meltdown disqualifies you from whatever we're doing, a meltdown. You can still get upset, but you can't have any meltdowns. And you looked at me and said, Yes, sir, I remember that. And I said, What happened yesterday on number 11? green and you put your head down you couldn't even look at me and I said Garrett and you look back up at me and he says I had a meltdown and I said so that's the reason you're not going to Jerry Pate and let me tell you one thing Garrett this hurts me you think it hurts you but you've just hurt the team because we're going to go down there with a team that's not as good as it would have been if you'd have been on the trip and by the way we were we ended up finishing third to Alabama and Auburn and we were in the hunt with two holes to play and made some bogeys but the point is is we didn't have Garrett May on that trip And one of your teammates told me in an end-of-the-year meeting at the end of that year, he said, the best thing you've ever done for Garrett May was leaving him home from Jerry Pate because it changed him a lot. So let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's one of those deals that, you know, I didn't get to do the thing I wanted to do. I didn't get to travel. I didn't get to go play. didn't get the opportunity to grow. Um, So, yeah, that really hurt. And I, I had so many people telling me, oh, that's the best thing you can do for you. That's the best thing, you know. And <laughs> Didn't feel like it, did it? I, I, could give, I couldn't care less. I was like, you know what, I'd rather him just take me. And then finally I realized, I, I knew why you did it, obviously. But then it kind of became real to me, and I started learning from it. And I think, you know, I, I can't really pinpoint when exactly my attitude got so much better. I think it was kind of a brick-by-brick, day-by-day thing. For sure. But that was definitely a big catalyst in it because I realized that, like, yeah, I just hurt the team. I hurt myself. I hurt you uh, because you you obviously wanted to take me. You just couldn't. And it was all because in one round of qualifying, which I finished highly in, Mm -hmm. I got mad and had a meltdown, which is stupid. And looking now, now that I'm playing pro golf, looking back on it, if I think that one shot in qualifying my mm-hmm. sophomore or junior year has any weight, I am so dumb. Mm-hmm. There are so many things bigger than mm-hmm. one shot at Ridgewood for sure. at qualifying. And it, it, time yields perspective, and I had zero of it when I was playing qualifying. Yeah, you were in the, in the heat of the battle. By the way, this is a phone call you don't know about, but the, uh, that afternoon, the next afternoon after practice, I get a call from your stepdad, J.D. Wilson. Yeah, you're talking about this. Okay, well, I've I've never told this story to anybody, but he was in Philadelphia in an airport getting ready to fly back to to Arkansas. And he said, Coach, uh, Garrett told me last night that uh, he's not going to be going to the Jerry Pate this week. I said, no, sir, he's not. He said he's not going because he had a meltdown during qualifying. Is that true? And I said, yes, sir, it is true. And he said, thanks, Coach. This, this is probably what's finally going to get Garrett where he needs to be. You know, you've taken away the one thing that's never been taken away from him, and right. that is golf. And 
thank you, Coach. I really appreciate it. And I think I, for, for sure, and I know your mom was unhappy because it's her little boy, it's her baby. Right, right, right. But she even knows that that was a good thing uh, later after looking back on it. So um, I guess I fault myself for not doing it earlier. If, if that makes sense. I could have done this earlier and I, I tried everything I knew how. You were just a tough case. You were an emotionally charged, highly, highly spirited guy, as Jeff Jones once told me. Mm-hmm. But uh, and you didn't know that it was costing you a chance to be what you wanted, which is a great player. But I think at that moment, sort of a uh, and if we look at the rest of the year in just a summary you went on to be an all-american that year at mm-hmm. Baylor and we didn't play well at nationals which hurt all of us but but you played beautifully that year and i know it was the start of something really good right there and um so we can go through your whole senior year we don't need to go through all the details but late in your senior year the sports information office had you write an article it was uh they took seniors in college and had Tell us what your time at Baylor is meant to you. It was called the Champions Tribune. Mm-hmm. And you wrote, honestly, you, you're a very good writer. You actually wrote a nice kind of summary of your time at Baylor and why it's meant so much to you. So let's, let's just talk about, because, let's talk about why Baylor or why coaching or why your experience here uh, changed you as a person. Well, going through this um, deal about you know, losing my cool on the golf course stuff. That honestly, it, it doesn't stop at golf. It really doesn't. You, you'd like to think it does, and you'd like to think that you can leave, you know, keep golf, golf, and life, life. But it bled over to anything. I was a very impatient person. I was a very tempered person. I had a temper, um, and you know, I it golf definitely bled off into life. And so, fixing golf, or at least getting better in golf made me a better person. I had a different outlook. I started, you know, appreciating things more, especially at Baylor. I mean, it's honestly crazy how many things we get when you're in college, hmm. playing college athletics. It's Amazing. ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And so, and not all of them, and a lot of kids know this, but a lot of them also go through their four years and don't fully understand and appreciate what they have. I, like, people can call me a, a, a super fan all they want to, about Baylor and mm-hmm. about you and stuff like that, but I really understand what I had for four years and want I want twelve more years. Um, <laughs> so I think my senior year, I just really got a lot of perspective really quickly on golf and on life and what the university has done for me, what you've done for me, and so I just wrote about it in the Tribune. And I really didn't, I don't want to like turn away or be scared of like what I went through. I'm not ashamed to tell anybody. Um, it's not, it's nothing that bad. I mean, I got mad. I got angry, and, it, you know, I had explosions. Who cares, okay? It's not like I had anything crazy going on. Um, and so I talked about that in the article. I said, listen, this is who I was, and because of Coach McGraw and because of university, this isn't who I am anymore. Yeah, I love the title of that. I'm not that person anymore, meaning, you know, I came in a good person, but I came in this way. I, I left a different person, and I think that's every coach's dream for every player, yeah. is that they can walk out of this experience for, after four years just kind of ready to go see life and tackle life and do whatever it is. It so. sounds, that title sounds so dramatic, like I am not that person anymore, as if I went through something crazy. And I, it was a hard battle, but honestly, like, my struggle does not compare to uh, some things that people are going through. And I, I don't want to be like, I don't want to talk about this as if, like, I'm, 
overcoming the hardest thing in the world. Like I overcome like a temper basically. Yeah. And yeah, it was hard, but I understand that that's not a very hard thing to do uh, compared to the rest of the things in the world. So yeah, I'm not that person anymore, but I don't want that title to be so dramatic. You yeah, know? no, it's not that dramatic. It's basically I changed. Yes. And I changed some things about myself that made me a better person, made me a better golfer. And, you know, I was just looking at this photo of you and Colin Cober. Uh, the moment you realized it's on my wall here next to my desk yeah, that we won the conference Big 12 Match Play Championship. Yep. So that had to be a highlight for your senior year. I know oh it gosh, was for yeah. me. Yeah. For We got you a ring, didn't we? Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. But, you know, I, I appreciate the way you wrote in that Champions Tribune because you were pretty revealing. I mean, you told a lot about your – you bared your soul, if you will. And and the, the thing that, that I enjoyed most about it was the recognition that your time at Baylor – did change you a little bit. It did have an impact on you. And that's all I want. I I can't control those conference championships if we ever get one or never get one again or whatever. But I can have some impact on whether or not you walk out of here a different person. Mm-hmm. And so um, let's talk about right after you got out of college because you, st- you stayed amateur that whole summer. Yep. And uh, you won a pretty big golf tournament up in the Northeast. Yeah, I did. Uh, I think that... That was your recommendation, right? It was you and Coach Black both told me like pro golf's always going to be there. Um, you know, I didn't really have the huge pedigree coming out of college that some people do, so I wasn't really going to get any sponsors right. exemptions. Yeah. Okay, so like, and I was still I was over my battle per se, but I was you know I'm still coming off the heels of it. So it was nice to have like a summer in amateur golf to get some things done, yeah. and without you know doing it for real. And, yeah, I had a good summer. I was playing good. And then I got to the Northeast Amateur, which was always my favorite tournament to play just because I love the golf course, love the community. It just, it just kind of was great. And I had, by and large, the best putting performance in the history of the game. Wow. For me. For me. <laughs> for, for you. Me, sorry, sure. For me. <laughs> I made everything. So 600 in the first round. Um I don't remember. I knew I shot four under in the third round and then um, like four over in the last round, but I had like a five-shot lead. But anyway, I won the golf tournament, um, and it really solidified everything that I would, that I did um, and kind of capped it off nicely. I played the Western Am after that and made match play. I played it really good. But having that win, so special to me. Cause oh, I, yeah. I didn't have a win in college other than that uh, individual yep. event in Minnesota. And so having like a prestigious win like that just meant the world to me. It was awesome. Well, it was great for Baylor golf because we'd had Cooper won the North-South Amateur and Ryan Greider won the state, Texas State Amateur. We had a bunch of good things happening in a very short period of time. So it was exciting for me to see that. So essentially, since you graduated and had that good amateur summer, you've been playing for about 12 months now. Yep. Mini tour golf. So... I want you to uh, describe that for me. I remember playing mini tour golf in 83, 84, 85, and I know it's changed a lot, but what's it been like for you? It's been fun. Um, I've enjoyed it. It's hard. Uh, Definitely a learning experience. Um, Things are totally different. You're paying for everything. Um, They pay you, but only if you play well. I did go to Q school last year. And uh, I was at Craig Ranch for second stage, and I had this nine-footer straight up the hill, breaking mm. a little left. And you, you just kind of know where you are on the leaderboard. And I lifted out hard. Ouch. Hard. And I missed final stage by one shot. 
And uh, that hurt, obviously, because I felt like that would have been really cool to go through Q school my first year, get all the way through. Uh, anyway, uh, that didn't happen. And then I went to uh, Latin America Q school uh, in, the, in the early spring and got full status on the Latin America tour. So that was really cool. I was really excited to get on a tour. And um, then COVID happened. And yeah, that was a lot. But mini tours have also been fun. It's been a grind. You realize that... Um, you realize how cool it is to play the PGA Tour. Because mm-hmm. all those expenses that you're thinking about don't even matter anymore. Um, but it is it is interesting, an interesting dynamic to only play golf, and that's your only thing to do. Um, traveling, and that it's just golf, 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 golf. And so I've actually had more free time uh, than I did in college because when it's all golf, you do need to have times of rest and, you know, get get out of the way and so I do have a lot more free time that I can come down to Waco and see my girlfriend for a weekend and not pick up a golf club or go see some friends or something like that. You know, it's not all golf, but it is. Well, I, I love that. And I love another perspective you talked to me about earlier that I, I'd like for you to talk about right now. And that is when you're having dinner with a you know, fellow mini tour pro and yeah. just how important it is to be around the right influences. Y- yeah, mini tour golf is interesting because you have a lot of people, a lot of different people Obviously, I'm in my first year out, so I'm going to be pretty um, happy and Excited. so lucky. Excited, yeah. yeah. But um, there are people out there that have been doing it for a long time. They might have had status. Um, they might have had status somewhere and then lost it, or whether they're playing. They've done it for a while, nine, ten, eleven years, and they are just jaded. And they're, you know, the systems against them. They uh, they're going to do this qualifier. They're going to do this qualifier, and it's just kind of like a a big job for them. And I never want to get that way. I always want to feel like it's fun. And I'm not saying it's not fun for them, but they've just, they've been out there so long, it just beats them up. Well, if I was going to suggest don't ever eat dinner with that guy that's that's beat up by the game of golf, because he's going to bring you right down there with exactly. him. Exactly. One of the things I try to teach every player that comes through Baylor is that you get 14 clubs in your bag, but you really get a 15th club, and that's enthusiasm. If you No, I'm serious. I know you guys think that's kind of corny, but the truth is when you have that, and you got a lot because that right there, when you miss the cut by a shot, it keeps you moving forward. Or when you three putt the last hole to lose a golf tournament, you, you don't lose the enthusiasm and the excitement of what you're doing. So this this uh, kind of energy you've had for your first year of pro golf, if you've got it 10 years from now, same energy, then I got that's a great, great accomplishment right there. Yeah. So, well, so what's next for you? I know you've got a few more tournaments uh, this fall, don't you? Yeah, I, uh, that uh, new series, the local IQ series that the uh, international tours are putting on, I've got the rest of those. I think I've got three more regular season events. And then um, we've got some Monday qualifiers for Corn Ferry events. And then, uh, I don't know, my schedule. You know, the COVID thing really affected scheduling. You know, yeah, usually you could, even in the mini tours, you know which ones you're going to play and you can plan out. But my schedule is kind of, you need piecemeal together as as you go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Well, I want to wish you good luck because I know that's going to be something big. What I really want to do, we're going to do a speed round here in a minute. I've got some things I'm going to throw at you and okay. see, see how quick your mind is. All right. But before, before we do that, I want to just say thanks for a lot of things. One, for your commitment to Baylor initially, for your uh, belief in me and what I was trying to build here, and for just for the way you took instruction and coaching. Um, yeah, you weren't the model student athlete because you had this battle you had to fight, you know, but everybody's fighting a battle and you ended up winning or you ended up 
winning more battles than you lost, which is great. But I, I just want to say thanks because not everybody wants to be coached. And those that do get better. And those that do actually end up achieving things that they want. So uh, we'll always have a great relationship. I'll always be your college coach. So that ain't never going to change. And I just want to thank you, Garrett, for coming on today as well. Thank you. Thank you for coaching me. Absolutely. I know it's hard. Ah, it was great. I loved it. All right, we're going to do a little speed round here. And you right. feel free to uh, expound a little bit on these, but I'm going to throw them at you as quickly as we can here. Okay, your favorite PGA Tour player. It's got to be Tiger Woods, but I really enjoy watching Rory and Dustin Johnson play. It's just really fun. They seem to have a different game than anybody else. Um, well, I would enjoy it if I hit 350 down the middle, too. That yeah, would, I mean, it's ridiculous. Come on. That's, DJ with the little slap cut that oh, he hits, and Rory was just, I mean. Dead that, straight. Yeah. Okay, favorite food before a round of golf? Oh, man, I really don't know. I, I ate Cliff Bars on the golf course, but... Um, I gotta have something sweet before the round. French uh, toast. I had French toast this morning. Yeah. <laughs> but. Any superstitions in golf? I'm not a big superstitious person, uh, but I do. Whether I do it by design or not, I kind of do the same things every time before I play. So you got a routine. Yeah, I always yeah. have coffee in the morning, no matter when I tee off. I do the same things. I have a routine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Favorite movie? Uh I really don't know. I, I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to superhero movies so i guess anything marvel related um i know you don't wow. like it because it's not real life but, that's not real life i need um, real life okay but that's fine marvel comics cinderella man actually is thank you it's great really movie. good great movie. yeah great that's great one of my favorites too favorite athlete non-golfer russell wilson okay a his good. mental I've, I've read a couple things on him and his mental game the way he goes about it is just it's second to none. He's really cool. Yeah, I like Russell Wilson. Favorite music? I listen to music uh, strictly for my mood. So uh, whatever makes my mood better or fits my mood, whether that be rap, whether that be rock, whether it be – I'm not a country person. I cannot stand country music. Well, but, see, there's where we're, we're – Yeah. <laughs> that's a problem. Uh, i got a problem with you there. I can't do country music. But whatever <laughs> makes my mood better. All right, good mood music. Okay, what uh, is a tournament you'd most like to win? U.S. Open. U.S. Open. Some people, that's going to be weird because some people would say, oh, why not the Masters? Mm-hmm. Like, I'd, I'd want to win the U.S. Open over the Masters. Okay. Just because U.S. Open, toughest test in golf. If you want to win, you got to have everything great. And I play, I play golf because I want to kick people's ass. Oh, there you go. And <laughs> the U.S. Open does that. that it, it will do that every time. You're right. Biggest phobia? Spiders. Spiders, wow. Can't stand spiders. I hate spiders, too. That We have that in common. I know. Favorite golf course you've played? Olympia Fields. I could, uh, play, I could play a golf course. Well, you and I were definitely on yeah. target. That is a, <laughs> it was really neat to watch the BMW a couple of weeks ago. Oh, my gosh. Just yeah, to see a, that golf course. Yeah. Beat them up. Favorite pro sports team? Mm, I don't know. I, I, I watch so many. I, I, I'm a fan of a lot of them. He's on the fence, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. on the fence. All right, dream foursome, you and three others. Who are they going to be? Tiger Woods, for Tiger. sure. Yeah, get you. Jack Nicholas. Jack. Rory. Ooh, nice. You want to see the... I just got to see it in person. Okay, I love it. That's great. Uh, favorite Coach McGraw, McGraw quirk? Favorite thing that my, I do that's a little odd. My favorite or the most annoying thing? Well, maybe the most annoying <laughs> 
Uh, I always remember vividly in every practice round, we'd be on the putting green and we're getting ready to go to the next hole. And we, we might have been on the green for 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, boys, on to the next one. Sick and bears. <laughs> um, it just kept us going along. You said that every time. I hate slow practice I, rounds. Yeah. Get your work done. Oh, no, I'm with you. I, on I, to I the too. next one. Uh, I guess another one would just be... Um, if you ask you if I ask you how you're doing, you say if I'm any better, I'd be twins. Still don't understand that. I to this day will never understand. It, but that's what you say. It would take another one just like me to be better than I am. I'd have to be two of me. Come okay. on, Garrett. Okay. Well, Garrett, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Better than I found it. I'd like to think you and I both left our situation better than we saw it the first time we met. Yep. And um, this is a, a lifelong relationship. So let's keep it going. Yeah. I can't, yeah, couldn't agree more. Hopefully I can do one of these uh, again when I win a tour event. I'll have you on. I'm holding you to that one, Garrett. All right, have a good day. See See you, Coach. Bye. Thank you for joining me again on the Better Than I Found It podcast today. Also, I'd like to make you aware that my book, Better Than I Found It, is again available on Amazon.com. Thanks. And we'll see you next time on Better Than I Found It.